Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. I'm really excited to share this next interview with award-winning master barber Darren D.L. Lyons. D.L. has a unique story. He went from rags to riches, then lost it all. Not many people can make this claim, but D.L. was a 21-year-old multimillionaire, and then he was dead broke two years later. His perspective on having it all, losing it all, and discovering the true meaning of success and failure will make you stop and think about what really matters in life. If you enjoy this interview as much as I did, please share it with your friends. Then head over to masterspodcastclub.com and sign up for our mailing list. Hi everybody, Wynn Claybaugh here. Welcome to this wonderful issue of Masters. And uh, I wish I was as well-dressed as this man who's sitting in front of me right now. <laughs> you'll, you'll teach me style later, okay? <laughs> I'm sitting with uh, Darren Lyons, better known to the hair world as DL, the master barber, which, uh, who came up with that? Probably you, right? No, actually, it wasn't. It was a young guy, one of my students, you know, that I've been mentoring. And he said, you should be DL Master Barber because you're a master of what you do. Isn't that great? And so, you know, I was like, sounds good to me. Let's roll with it. And it worked out. And we've been using it ever since. Well, usually we make up our own titles. You know, we make right. up our own press. Right. Because we have to. That's what we do. I remember interviewing this one guy who said that his salons were voted the best salons mm-hmm. 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, who voted? He said, I did. That's, <laughs> you know what? That's what you have to do now. You have to be your own brand. And you have to promote that brand. So he was right. You know, I just so happen to have a young kid who's heavy in social media. And he said, man, if you're going to do your social media, your handle, which is for social media, Call yourself DL Master Barber. And I was like, sounds good. It flows off the tongue. Well, well you're a one-man Wikipedia of barbering knowledge and business savvy, which you've developed over the last 30 years. Right. I don't want to say how old I am, but I'm up there. I was going to say, you started pretty dang young, man. 17. 17 years Wow. Old. Okay, you're going to love this. So I'm going to read some of this, but our listeners need to know who you are and what you've accomplished which I, I know that you're kind of humble about this stuff, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the people who are listening to this need to know mm-hmm. uh, what you've accomplished because they want to have the same goals and ambitions as well. And so if they don't hear what's possible, then what do they aspire to? So that's why well, we share this them, information. Then, then tell them. I'm, I'm going to tell them. them. I'm okay. going to sit here and listen in. Okay. Listen. So while you were still a student, your instructor put you into a, a, a hairdressing competition, Correct. which was the, the prestigious Long Beach Hairdressers Guild show, which has been going on for forever, uh, and out of the hundreds of contestants, you won first place in men's hairstyling. You went on to win the award four more consecutive times, and then they basically told you quit competing. Yeah, <laughs> give yeah. somebody else a chance, and they brought you on as a but, judge. But let's talk about that real quick. That was very hard for me. Very hard because I've never been in that type of environment before in my life. I've never seen hairstylists because it wasn't a barber competition. It was a hairstyling competition. But it was And you me. were in barbering school? I was in barber school. Okay. So, you know, and my instructor, I didn't like him. And the reason why I didn't like him is because he was a man of discipline. He was a man of being on time. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're just late. Right. He was the same way as like my dad. So I was the type of guy I wanted to come in when I felt like coming in. And that was going to be hard for me to do. Oh, that doesn't work? No, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm fighting the, the, the kids and I'm fighting the people at my shop. Because I want them to be on time. So now the titles have changed and the tables have turned. Wow. But being there at that, that competition, it opened my eyes, went to something that I wasn't expecting because it was people from all over the world. 
you know, which was really tough for me. And then I didn't know what I was getting myself into. He said, show up here on Sunday and we're going to go somewhere for the day. You didn't even know that I you had were going to I had no idea. I didn't know anything. And you won first place. I fought him the whole way through. And he um, said, okay, stand in this line. Okay, go over there. Okay, stand here. Wait for him to call your number. So I'm just following directions. And then he says, okay, now cut. What? Cut. Do what you do at the school. And so I really had a real hard time dealing with that. But I was so nervous, I cut really, really fast to get done so people would stop looking at me. Wow. You know, but it was a great experience, and I thank God for him, you know, for this day. Well, you then went on to win the IBS Award, mm-hmm. and in 2010, you were voted by your peers as Barber of the Year. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the importance of competition do you feel like people should pursue that? Absolutely. It, Why was that valuable for you? Well, it was valuable for me because it taught you to be competitive. It taught you to work around other people. It taught you to have to work within the constraints of time. It taught me a lot of things that I didn't understand of working around other people outside of the shop or the barbers or beauty school that you're in. And so with that being said, it it got rid of something that was always inside of me because of the talent that I had, which was called fear, that false evidence appearing real. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down. Say that again. False evidence appearing real. Fear. Fear. Love that. I love acronyms. My little brain works better that way. that That was one of those fears that I had. It was people watching me. I had no problem speaking, but I had a problem cutting in front of people. I just... I didn't think I was that good, and but my instructor seen something inside of me the day I walked in the door. As soon as I picked up a pair of clippers, he said, you have it. And I said, I have what? So I just thought he was pulling my leg because I'm like, how could you say that? And I'm not even cutting one head, but he said, it's the way you hold the clippers. Well, he, well, was, he was obviously right. I've heard some people say that because of who they work for, mm-hmm. meaning the brand that sure. they work for, or maybe even for their own identity, that they don't enter competitions because they can't afford to lose. Mm. Meaning if their name is attached to the competition and they don't win, mm-hmm. that's too damaging for them. What would you say to that? I would say failure is success. Because the more you fall down, if you get back up, you'll eventually win. But when you choose not to even try, then what you end up doing is failing the whole way through. It's, it's almost like saying, I want to win, but you are not even going to sign up for the race. Wow. <laughs> Dang, you're good already. We just barely started. Okay, so more about DL. So mm-hmm. you're fresh out of Barber College, and you decide to try out uh, your entrepreneurial skills by opening up your first barbershop, mm-hmm. which was called Tangles and Locks in Pasadena, California. Correct. And you since have opened three more shops? It was five altogether. Okay. It was five by the time I was 23 years old. I had five shops. Okay. And that was a feat in itself. Okay. And the reason why is because you're a young kid, you have all of these stars that you're doing, and you have people that's older than you. I was the youngest person working in the shop. Okay. All of the shops. And I worked in every single one of them. So, you know, you have these veterans saying, you don't tell me what to do, you know. Even though you were the owner? Even though I was the owner. So it was very hard for me to adjust for the first couple of years because I just wanted to try to make everybody happy. 
and you can't make everybody happy. I've learned a long time ago, you can't control something that's out of your control. Once we try to control something that's out of our control, we tend to lose what God gave us to control, which is ourselves. So once I learned that lesson, that I can't control other people's thoughts, feelings, or the way they feel about my shop or the way they feel about me, I was better off. I was able to maneuver a lot better because now we're not talking about control. We're talking about rules and regulations, and this is what has to be my standard in order for these shops to stay open. That there alone is great advice. Sure. I mean, you can't control those things. You can't control other people's feelings and emotions. I mean, how much energy did you waste a lot trying to do that? Energy, time, and sleep. Energy, time, and sleep. So for all of the young, future, stylist, barber owners out there, let me tell you something. Start with rules and regulations. Start with what you stand for. Start for what everything that you're standing for is what you should say, these are my rules and regulations. If you believe in cleanliness, which a lot of salons and barbershops today have totally just excused, if you believe in cleanliness, then you need to start out with cleanliness, not when they get there already. Right. You know That's the system. It's a so system. if you don't believe in having a clean station where you work, doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just right. means that you don't fit within our standards. Exactly. So go to a place that is fine that you leave a dirty station. So if you like boom quiches, boom, boom, hairdo, updos, then that's where you should be. You know what I mean? Oh, Come good. on, Wayne, you already that know. Good. Yeah. If that's what you want, and there's nothing wrong with that, you can still make money. If you like, you know, the barbershop type of feel where, you know, everybody's screaming and yelling and hollering, and that's your energy, then great, go, enjoy yourself. This whole thing is about what you're doing, what you love. Right. You know, falling in love with the business falling in love with the shop that you're working at. And so if that's what you want to do, fine. I mean, I started with the best, and I'm going to end with the best. You know, I started working when I first got out of school. I worked for a place called Mohair, the Museum of Hair. Her husband, the lady name was Pat, her husband painted the walls every single day. To keep it? Keep it white. White, wow. And it was a beautiful shop. Wow. And cleanliness was the most important thing. You know, it's, it's amazing how many business owners or leaders will compromise mm-hmm. their standards. They know that their standard and what they stand for is having a clean shop mm-hmm. or dressing professionally mm-hmm. or talking professionally, whatever that is. But they'll compromise that because they want a warm body. Right. They're like, oh, I have an empty station, so I'll just hire somebody who's breathing. And they right. compromise what they know is going to make them successful. I've walked into salons and barbershops where there's 20 people working there. Sure. And it's almost as if there are 20 separate individual little businesses going on. Which, no consistency. Which it is. Which it is. That's exactly what And the is. customer picks up on that. But then they also are being held, the owner's being held hostage. Oh, my gosh. They're being held hostage. A gun to their head. I'll do Absolutely. whatever I want to do because you can't afford to lose me. You, exactly. And then if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even have this shop. Really? I thought I had it before. Didn't you come here to yeah. ask? Isn't it my name on the lease? Right, right, right. Exactly. Wasn't, so, wasn't it me who mortgaged my home to open this place? I didn't yes. think it was you. I, I had no idea it was you. But since it is you, I guess I'll have to keep you. No. Yeah. You can't be held hostage. That's why I, I strongly believe in when I... When I lecture and I tell, when people ask me, what do you think my best suggestion? First of all, do your homework. Do the homework. You got to do the work. You can't just come out of nowhere and say, I want to own a shop because you see other people do it. Or you've been working at a shop. You go home at night. There's other things that have to be done. So do the homework. And then I say, if you can't pay for that shop by yourself with nobody working there, you should not buy that or rent that building, period. 
You know, if you're solely relying on a guesstimate that if I fill these chairs, I'll make this amount of money, and then these two chairs could pay for the rent. No, 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 no. You're doing it all Because then wrong. you compromise. You're then compromising. Then you give up your systems You're and your giving standards. up the keys, and then you're handing them the gun, and now the prisoners are actually the warden. Wow. Wow. Okay. We're going to go all over the place today because I've got so many questions let's here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's okay, go. Okay. Well, so, so what is your current model now, your current business? You, do, do you have a uh, I still shop have now? a salon. I still have a salon. It's a salon it slash barbershop, Tangles and Locks. We, we, we're not going to okay. get rid of that name. We're going to rock that name until the wheels fall off. Man. We're going to okay. keep rocking it. It's 29 years old and will be 30 years. My 30-year anniversary will be April the 15th of next year. Okay. And we're in, uh, people listening to this, we're in 2015 today. Yeah. So it's not barber only no. services. No, we do it all. Okay. I came from a school that taught me everything, so I do everything. I'm okay. about service. Okay. And service is serious, serious business for me. And okay. what I mean by that is, is that I do scalp manipulations, I do facials, I do shaves, I do color, I do it all. I mean, I don't want to limit myself, and I don't want my stylists or barbers to limit themselves. You personally do it all, or you Absolutely. have team members who do all of that? I do it all. I enjoy wow. it. I enjoy it. You know, in a lot of salons, you know, you have assistants and you're training people. But for me, I just do it because I just still like to be in the grit of it all. Well, with everything else that you have going on, which we're going to get into, mm -hmm. uh, how much time are you actually in your salon? Well... Initially, it was three days. Mm -hmm. Now, it could be one to two days. A week. A week. Okay. But in that one to two days, I work it like I start at eight thirty nine in the morning, and I can work to 2.33 in the morning. What? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's only for those So you don't have a days. dog. You don't have any plants well, I to had, water. I had, I had a dog. And I still have that dog. I just bought dog food yesterday, but it's not my dog anymore. It's okay. my mother's dog. Okay, okay. You know, Somebody's got to take care of you this absolutely poor thing. Right. But the reason why I, I do it that way is because, for me, I still love the, the energy of working in the shop. But most of all, I have to compress all of my clients those five days into two. And so I just get it in and get it done with it. Do so you have clients that are coming to you at 2 in the morning? Absolutely. And we'll have no problem waiting <laughs> with a smile. I mean, we, we have fun in there when we have a good time. I, mean, I remember interviewing somebody who said uh, he starts taking clients at 6 in the morning. And I was like, clients come to you at 6 in the morning? He's like... You go to the gym at 6 o'clock, who's there? Losers? No. Right. Busy, successful people are at right. the gym at 6 o'clock in the morning. So, of course, why wouldn't they go get their hair done? But when back in the day when I was working six and seven days a week, I was starting at 4.30. Wow. And I would work to two. Wow. But I'm doing 45 to 50 people a day. Wow. You know? And so, you know, those days and working that hard, which is something that I would definitely like to talk to you about, is, is not safe. It's not healthy. At the age of 32, I almost had a heart attack, and back then I was working out heavy. And so no matter how long I worked, I would still go to the gym after. Wow. And then have to be back up in two to three hours. Wow. And so there was no breaks. And well, so with that being said, I had to learn from the doctor, well, my body's pretty much going to shut down and say, hey, you can't continue to do this. Hmm. And that's why I went to three days. Oh. Yeah, so four days off and then three days working. Well, let me tell our listeners more about who you are because people always love to hear 
the list of celebrities and athletes, that industry, entertainment people that you work with, which have included uh, Sean Puffy Combs, Meshach Taylor, Heavy D. Ray Lewis, Stacey Ogman, Jay Leno. It's funny that you'll go from uh, Jay Leno to Sean Puffy Combs. Mm-hmm. That's uh, quite the... Uh, Arsenio the, Hall show. Arsenio Hall. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's on, not in my bio here I, on you. Congratulations. I worked, I worked on the first Arsenio Hall show 20 years ago. Wow. When it first came out, that was my first major job. Well, you were also the barber of choice for rap music's biggest icons, Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. Your work has been in Vogue magazine, American Salon, Vibe, along with countless television, film, music video projects. So... You have the resume that a lot of people aspire to, uh-huh. and yet you've turned out okay. <laughs> I t- you know what? I'll tell you this. I separated myself from the industry, although I was in the industry. Why, why did you do that? Being in the industry at a young age, as young as I was, you know, because before I even got out of barber school, I was doing celebrities like uh, Big Daddy Kane, Rob Bass, you know, all of these countless type of rappers. And I came out at the perfect time. I came out in the perfect storm, if you will. I was young. The rap industry just, like, really took off. MTV just put rap on TV. And so all of these rappers would come to L.A. or Hollywood to sign their, their deals. And so they would walk that Hollywood walk of fame with the stars on the ground. Mm-hmm. Well, I just so happened to work on Hollywood Boulevard and Las Palmas wow. in the window. Wow. So all of these rappers, young rappers, who didn't have any money, but they were big, you know, in the industry already, happened to see me. And then it's like, yo, could you cut a New York in my head? Oh, yeah, dude, can I? I'm not only going to cut a New York in your head, but I'm going to cut the Twin Towers with a plane flying over it and the sunrise and color the sunrise. <laughs> you can do that? Absolutely. And wow. just so happened where most rappers would stay is where the Kodak Theater is now. Used to be the Holiday Inn. Right. So... I was only two blocks away. So when I would get off work, I would go over there and cut majority of the rap industry wow. as a kid. And so their kids, I'm, I'm a kid. And then next thing you know, hey, you want to go on tour with us? And sure, let me go see if I can talk to my instructor. And my instructor knew where I was going, so he allowed it. And so I would go on tour, come back, finish up school, go back out on tour. So it was amazing. And then my mom, she was a barber. So she helped me with oh, my statement. Yeah, my mom and my dad, my grandfather. Are you serious? Absolutely. So you're third generation now. Yes, I, man, it's in my genes, and I'm not talking about Jordash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's been in my genes, man. Congratulations. Yeah, so she helped me through state board. So you've kind of uh, diversified yes. a little bit here. Yes. Like, I, I know it's a huge, huge passion of yours. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm connected to you because of this other passion of yours, sure. which is... You want to make a difference in the industry. You want people to make more money. And I don't, you know, I always joke that, you know, people who say that they don't want to make more money would lie about other things as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to make more money. And so, and that's a huge passion of yours. Mm -hmm. It's, there's people who do well, Mm -hmm. they don't tell other people about it. Right. Which just doesn't make much sense to me. Only a squeaky wheel gets oil in. Right. And my will has always been squeaky. From a young age, the teachers would always say, he's very smart, but he's very disruptive. He's always, he's a clown, he's this, he's that. And so I would get a lot of unsatisfactories and use because my mind was always going. But I used that 
to my advantage. Well, since he talks too much, well, maybe I should talk a lot more when I got out of school. <laughs> and it actually worked out for the better. Early on, you know, 21 years old, 19 years old, I started these shops. 21, multimillionaire. 23, dead broke. I figured out a way when I was... Wait, you went from millionaire to dead broke from what age to what age? From 21 to 23. So I figured out in less than 700 days how to lose a million dollars. It was great. It was wonderful. (laughs) How did you lose it? Well, let me tell you. Having fun. Enjoying life. Not having any reserve on... It's not going to stop. It's not going to end. I was just like any typical athlete. You say, how could these athletes lose so much money? This is a travesty. Well, when you have, you're in a situation where you find that you made more money than anybody in your family. What can they tell you but save money? But there's more to it than save money. But wait, there's more. You know, there's more to it than saving money. You have to you know, nurture this money. You have to make this money grow, which I did not know how to do. I did, but I didn't. My father trained me well, but I chose to do it my way. Frank Sinatra said he liked to do it his way. I did it my way. And and that was the best experience for me because I was still young. I knew how to do it. And that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of people will have is if you've never been a millionaire before, then you would never know how hard it is to get there. But once you do what you love, and you enjoy what you do, it will be so easy to get there. But stop chasing the money because when you always chase money, it's like a dog on a chain. It will always elude you hmm. every single time. So I, I have, How long did it take you to learn that lesson? How, how many years in your career were you chasing the money? And how and why well, did that change? What, you know what, when I've never chased the money. That's the whole thing. I was just having fun. I was just enjoying myself. Hmm. I learned a trade that was quite obviously natural to me and I enjoyed doing hair I enjoyed being in that light I enjoyed just creating things you know and and to be able to create things on such iconic people made it even more of a reason to enjoy what you do because they were saying when they get off the stage or they film this movie they say great job I enjoyed it I mean I really enjoyed it but then I enjoyed going back to the shop as well and I didn't really talk about you know, the things that I did on the set. I just enjoyed, people knew. People would come to the barbershop and happen to see Tupac sleep on the couch, and they'd be like, yo, is that Tupac? I'm like, look, don't even wake him up. When he he gets up, trust me, he's going to be turned up, you know? And so just, you know, so you would never know who would be in that shop. I mean, Sean Lands, and, you know, there's so many different people that would come through, and then you'd be like, wow, like, yo, that's, like, yeah, that's him, you know, and so my customers got used to seeing, you know, celebrities in there. And again, I was a child. The people worked for me was a little bit older. And so we just we worked it through. So I was making money hand over fist. The money was coming in faster than I knew what to do with it. And so you would call and say, Hey DL, what's going on, man? We having a party. When is it? Tonight. Tonight? Well, I'm gonna catch the last thing smoking. You know, uh, you know, back then Pan Am was out, and you know, so they had late flights, and I would fly to New York because Pan Am's, you know, number one hub was JFK. So I would catch the last thing smoking out. I would party all night, and then be on the first thing smoking back to LA to be at work in the morning. So whatever I had on is what I wore to the party. Wow. And I wasn't flying in the back. I'm flying first class. So that's so. how you spent all the money. Oh, right. uh, 
that, cars, you know, when you were younger, didn't have any cars, so guess what? I'm catching the bus all your life. Well, guess what? I want choices. So I chose to buy cars and, you know, and then I got into fixing up cars. So I just, I wanted to do everything that I was not able to do as a child. Mm. And I did that, you know. And with that being said, hey, it was the best education that I can ever pay for from USC or Harvard. Now, would you ask me, would you do it all over again that way? No. But did you learn from it? Absolutely. So losing millions of dollars is not something that you regret today. No. 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 Not for me. Right. Because I was young enough to do it. I was young enough to make it back. You know what they say is uh, people think that experience is the best teacher. Yes, it's a great teacher, mm-hmm. but the value of those lessons diminishes in the time that it takes to have the experience. Absolutely. So sometimes Absolutely. you don't have to go through the pain or waste the time to learn the lesson. You can right. learn from other people's right. experiences. Right, and that's why I'm here. DL today. went through this. Right. You don't have to go I'm through already, it. I already created the path that you don't need to go through. I created a clean, straight shot. You know, I graduated from the School of Hard Knocks. Then I got my my graduate degree from Barnes & Noble. So you have to hurry up and get over there to get my records because they're closing down all the Barnes & Nobles. But, you know, for the most part, I sat there and read books because I was taking advantage of it. What kind of books were you reading? And how, how, old, friends, how old were you? How to Win Friends and Influence People. My God. That's, you know, that, you uh, know if, if everybody doesn't have that book on their shelf and have devoured it, you know, you're, you're already missing out on something that's been around for many, many, many years. How old mom, is that book? My mother had me read that book when I was a kid. Wow. But I got back to reading it when I became older. What else did you uh, read? The Richest Man in Babylon, George mm-hmm. Gleason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Millionaire Barber. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many. Uh, the Greatest Salesman in the World. Og Mandino. Uh, he's one oh. of my favorites. I got to meet him once. He, really? Yeah. Lucky you. Oh, I know. <laughs> what a great man. And uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, one of my top books, Oh, All the Places You'll Go. By Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Why that book? That book, you got to understand something about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss never wrote for the kids. He wrote to the adults. Mm. The kids were the illustration. That's the part that he liked about the illustration. But look at the lessons. Mm -hmm. Prime example, green eggs and ham. We've read it so many times to whether you have children or you don't have children or you read it at a school for somebody else. But look at the story behind it. Try would you like some green eggs and ham, Sam? I no, I would not like to have any green eggs and ham, Sam. I am. Would you? And he followed him across the globe. Would you like some green eggs and ham? No, I would not like to have any green eggs and ham, Sam. I am. But then look at the end when he said, "All right, all right, all right. Let me taste the green eggs and ham." And then once he found out he liked it, even though I had to chase you across the globe to just try it. And once he found out he liked it, he said, I would like to have some more green eggs and ham. <laughs> so a lot of times, and we talked about this before, if we don't try, mm-hmm. you'll never know what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. If you don't try to be successful, you'll never know what it feels like. But trying it is the first step to becoming successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those type of books... Another uh, great book that I, you know, truly love was a book that was called uh, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. It was a guy named Dennis Kimbrell, and he gave his take on the story from a, a black version, a black point of view. 
And it was like a lot of people that I didn't even know they invented things. I was like, wow, that person invented that, that person invented that. So I learned a lot from that, from things that we have invented as well. And I was like, wow, this is something. And it inspired me to say, I want to be a part of that crew. I want to be a part of this master's class that you created. It's like, man, now I'm being invited. But if I never opened my mouth, if I never tried, if I, if I took the advice of the teachers that just be quiet, don't say nothing, and you will be okay. But when I opened my mouth and I found that people were being inspired, mm. it was life-changing. You know, um, this is totally off the hair business. But there was this story that was, for me, it was I was a freshman in high school, and I was really good in football. And we had a, a rivalry between this guy named Kerry Grant and myself playing football receivers. So everybody wanted to know who was going to win this receiver award. Long story short, banquet time, I'm excited. I get up early in the morning. I go get my clothes. My mom's late. I need to be there. I got to pick up this trophy. I already re- have already rehearsed my lines on what I'm going to say because I'm going to win, win. And then, so I get there. I say, did I miss anything? Like, no, you didn't miss anything. They're getting ready to announce the awards right now. So the last two awards there. So the, the coach says, we're giving this award out to two guys who really, really worked hard. So I'm thinking it's two trophies. And I'm like, I don't want to share a trophy. And, but this award, we're going to give out the receiver award, award first, and then we're going to give out this other award. Now, the receiver award goes to this guy who's really excelled. He's done really well, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like this, yeah, yeah, get on with it so I can announce my name, make my, uh, my grand entrance right. to the stage. Well, they announced Cary Grant's name. So I jump up like I'm thinking it's me. My body was saying, you won, but my mind is saying, no, you didn't. My heart had already left the building. And so everybody was looking at me, but Carrie was getting the trophy. So then my mom grabs me and sits me down. The next trophy goes to a guy that we wouldn't won as many games without him. This is the first time this school has ever given out an award like this. And this award is to a person that has inspired the whole team. When we're losing, we end up winning because of him. This is called the Most Inspirational Award. And the Most Inspirational Award goes to D.L. Lyons. Now, I'm not listening, but I end up getting that award. Well, I wanted to throw the award out the window. My mom took the award, put it in the trunk, so I didn't throw it out the window. She kept it until a year and a half ago. I have the award now. But who would ever thought I wanted to be a football player, but that wasn't where I was destined to be. Mm-hmm. And now I look at that award like that was the best award. That was the Academy Award of my life. Wow. You know what I mean? And so with that being said, when it was like I cherish that word more than anything now because of that reason. Wow. I'm an inspirational person, and now I want to inspire lives. Mm. You know, you just don't know what, what God has for you mm. until you step into your greatness. And now it's, it's coming to fruition because 7,000 last month, this, well, this month's still here, 7,000 emails that... They called and told me, you had 7,700 emails. Yeah, what are you going to do with these emails? <laughs> I'm like, well, when did this all happen? It's like, man, they've just been coming through. You need to either answer them, you got to do something. I'm like, how do I answer 7,700 emails? But it just lets me know that something is being done right. Hmm. So, Well, when I was preparing for this, I asked you the things that you're passionate about. Sure. And uh, you sent me a list. 
which of course you had a list. You knew. I just had to ask the question. You're like, here it is, when mm-hmm. uh, you said you're passionate about customer service, time management, balance, which obviously we could talk about forever, getting what you're worth, uh, charging the right price, social character, social media, getting back to the basics, saving retirement for our future. And then, of course, I came up with uh, some of my own questions, too. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about balance. Sure. Time management. Sure. Very important. Balance. Karate Kid, he told him the only way you're going to win, Daniel, son, if you get balance. You're too far to the left, he's going to kick you. Too far to the right, you're going to kick you. But if you stay directly center, you have a better chance of winning. And balance, I didn't understand that whole philosophy with Mr. Miyagi back then, but I understand it when you start losing things. When you start losing friends, you start losing time, you start losing, and what I mean by time is not being able to spend time with people that you love because of your craft, because of the passion you have for the industry. Well, guess what? There's still a life outside of the hair industry. There's a life outside of what we love to do on that stage. And because we travel so much and because I do so much, I had to learn how to balance my time, taking time for myself to just smell the roses. I tell every student to this day, learn how to balance your time before you get out there because if you don't, you'll start out with bad habits. There's no need to try to fix bad habits if you start out with good habits. Mm. So, what, what do the bad habits look like? You, you mentioned you know, being late. And being late means you're not there 30 minutes early. Right. Being late is real simple. You get there at 9 o'clock, and you're just starting to unpack your stuff. You're late. The customer's there waiting on you, so you're late. Like you said, 30 minutes, 45. I would prefer 45 minutes. Yeah, so would I. I, Because people say, oh, when I really want this opportunity, I'm like, cool, be here at 9 o'clock. And they show Mm -hmm. up at 9 o'clock. I'm like, no, you don't want this. Yes. Yes. You told me 9 o'clock. I'm here at 9 o'clock. You don't want this. Right. If you really wanted this, you would have right. been here at 8. Right. Right. So when you, you look at balance, you have to balance time. You have to balance for family, yourself, your children, if you have children. These things need to be put in place early because once you become busy, the customers really don't care what you got scheduled for right. yourself. Right. They just want to know, are you going to be here at 3 o'clock? Are you going to do my hair? Our job, the jobs that we chose to do are jobs that we have to stand up all day long. Mm-hmm. We chose a job that we get people ready for the events, not be there for the events. Right. So these things, a lot of new barbers and not a, a lot of new hairstylists don't truly understand that they're going to be at the concert first. You can't be in the front row. You can't be at the concert. You can't make the movie premiere, although you did the star for them. You can't be there. Your job is preparation. You're a part of the preparation crew. You're a part of the crew that gets the person married. You make sure they get down that aisle and look good. Your job is to make sure that person looks good in Vogue magazine. That's the job you chose, not the one standing in front of the camera. That's not Your job is a job of humility, of humbleness. And so time management is very important. Balancing that time to say, when you look back on your life, what did I do with it? Can I ask you about the humility part? Sure. Did you already know that? Was that oh, a absolutely. tough lesson for you to Never. learn? Did mom and dad teach that mom to you? Mom and dad you? taught me that early. Because here you got you know Tupac sleeping on your couch mm-hmm. uh, at your salon, but somehow you didn't get wrapped up into the ego of that? No. no. So mom and dad. Right. And, and you got to understand something. Everybody that I worked on, because I was such a young guy doing it at first, early, again, habits, it was nothing to me. It was 
you know, everybody else was inspired. Like, oh my God, that's Tupac. Oh my God, that's Biggie. You know, oh my God, this is this part. This is Heavy D. You know, oh my God, you're working with Eddie Murphy. I mean, I did 20 years with Eddie Murphy. And I never touched Eddie's head, ever. I was what you call a copycat. Copycat is a person that actually will take a haircut, whatever the star is. I look at that haircut front, back, and side. And then I actually do duplicate that for the stunt double or the stand-in. And I did that for 20 years. So you were doing the hair of his... Double. Double. Which is Roger Reed. Not of him. Not of him. Interesting. Why? You know, because you got to remember, a lot of stars don't want to stand for the set change and this and that. So they need right. to block it and whatever. So they'll have a stand-in for that. And then a lot of stuff that you would think Eddie was actually doing, it wasn't Eddie at all. Okay based off of the costumes. He didn't want to put on this costume for six hours to put it together. Put him in and make him do that part. Right, interesting. So it was my job to make sure that the double and the stuntman looks wow. good. Wow. So as you're traveling and you're working with, you know, we're talking about you know, good skills, bad mm -hmm. skills, or good mm -hmm. habits, bad habits. Mm -hmm. Would you put hum uh, a lack of humility on that list of bad habits? Yes. So talk yes. about that. Because it's so easy, I think, uh, to have an ego in this industry or any this, industry. Well, you know what? Times have changed. Social media has made more egos than the law allows. Mm -hmm. There should be a rule of regulations to having an ego these, this big. And what I mean by that is, is socially now, if you have a lot of followers, it makes your ego even bigger. You have some barbers and some stylists that have 100,000 followers but can't do a lick of hair. And you like, but then when they walk in a room, it lights up because they're in the room, but it's like they can't do hair right. at all. You have to be humble. Well, you see that in all kinds of facets Absolutely. of the entertainment industry. Somebody who has zero talent as an actress, as mm -hmm. a singer, as anything, mm -hmm. and they're mega famous. Mm -hmm. But see, this is the thing. People have to understand humility is a, a vast part of how we treat people how you want to be treated, you know, and we search all the time for wealth, constantly, everybody wants to be wealthy, but you are wealthy when you find out who you are. Mm. Once you find out who you are is when you become wealthy. When you are constantly searching for wealth, that's not going to do it for you. Once you get there and find out that this is all there is, now you have a big house and you have the nice cars and you have all this, when I have 22 cars, but one thing about it, when is what is it to you when you have nobody to share it with? I have a beautiful house in Lake Havasu on the lake and a nice boat to sit right next to it. What's it to you, when when you got 4,100 square feet and you're in there by yourself? There's many days that I've walked into that house or even drove up that way when I had the time to do it more often than not now, but I would just cry hmm. because I was chasing something that's really... They didn't tell me what was on the other side. Nobody talks about what's on the other side once you get there. But the humility part of it is what got me there. It's because I really didn't care that I was working in Hollywood. I really didn't. I wanted to. I cared about the people who came to the shop. I cared about people that I meet on the street. I just cared about people. And you said something uh, in one of your interviews that you were saying that, you know, giving is a part of your pay for being here, is what you said. Mm -hmm. And it made me say, wow, that's powerful. That's what, it's your way of paying rent for being here. 
mm-hmm. because you give. Mm-hmm. And I've given so much to so many people, 17 barbershops total that came out of my shop, meaning 17 people worked for me. Um, that got to open up their own got places. Their own, open up their own shop. Isn't that great? And, oh, it's amazing. And to hear them come back and say, thank you. Mm. Thank you. But that came from humility. I never cared. I have a, I have a, a car downstairs everybody was running to. Hey, can I take pictures? Can I take pictures? And it's a 1960 Corvette showroom condition downstairs. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is when it's like, it's a car. Mm-hmm. This doesn't define who I am. You know, people say, man, if I had this car, man, you know how many girls I would have? I'm like, yeah, but do you realize that's all you're going to have? When <laughs> you want a girl goes. because you have that car. <laughs> that's not the girl you want. Right. That's right. not humility. Right. That's ego. So if you're ego-driven, this business is not for you. Mm-hmm. We have to have a certain amount of arrogance to us because we're artists. Mm-hmm. But you don't put your arrogance on other people. Mm-hmm. You teach other people. Let people know who you are, but at the same time, help somebody come up so you can get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And humility would do that. And when you are humble, you're willing to learn. See, I'm a lifetime student when I will never accept a diploma. And the reason why I won't accept a diploma is because I'm a lifetime student. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm here because of some of the things that I've done, because of my accolades. But at the same time, I'm here because I'm in front of a man who has actually arrived of where I'm going. He's actually been in a place of where I want to be. And the only way that I'm going to get there is I'm humble enough to say I want to be a student. I'm humble enough to want to get tutelage by you. You are my Miyagi. You see what I'm saying? You are Rocky's coach. You feel me? Trainer. So if I have an attitude, first of all, me and you have never even been in this room today because of my arrogance. Never. You, what the videos that you've seen me speak and, and the people that you may have talked to as a reference would never say, oh, no, I don't work with him. He's not that kind of guy. Great message, but too much ego. Too much ego. Yeah, and that's not you. I walked, I was in Kansas uh, a week ago. Hair everywhere. As soon as I walked in the door, everybody, it was pandemonium. <gasps> Shocked. Shocked to see me. I don't tell people when I go to barbershops. I go to barbershops every state I go to, just popping in. It was a mess. You know, the first thing I did when was I grabbed a broom and swept everybody's wow. station. Wow. Now, people are like, you don't have to do that. This is customers. They don't even know me. And I was dressed. But then none of the barbers said, I'll do it. But then when you see on Instagram, people have taken pictures and see me sweeping. It's like, wow, this guy is at this level. But I'm like, I'm never on that level. I'm your peer. And we're brothers in this fight. So since you're too busy to keep your own shop clean, let me sweep this hair up for you. What a great lesson for them. Coming from you. Yeah. yeah. But then I took them all outside. And I said, you're living in filth. How can you ask to raise prices? How can you ask to get your clients to think better of this shop when you're living in filth? Hmm. You're forcing them to be in this environment. Hmm. Although this is the, the barbershop of the city. But why would you put them in that position? Wow. Why would you put yourself in that position? Mm. And after that, I got an email from the owner. He's like, man, thank you. Mm. B, 
because I'm at fault. So the whole balance of of all of this, you know, humility versus arrogance and all mm-hmm. of this, what do you personally struggle with in the whole balance thing? I mean, you told me how old you are mm-hmm. and uh, you're up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you look 47. like you're, you're, yeah, you're 47. You're in I great, look you look, yeah, you look good. I look good. You're in great shape. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the physical side of it mm-hmm. is like, so what, what's your struggle? Like what's... My struggle, to be honest with you at this particular point is eating late night all of the traveling when I'm done when I, I just eat whatever and I go to sleep that is my struggle <laughs> it's eating you know I'm a very disciplined person mm-hmm. and what I mean by a very disciplined person I'm a person who when I say I'm going to do something I get it done mm-hmm. when I say that I want this I'm going to get it mm-hmm. and whatever it takes I'm going to do so that's never been my struggle. I'm not a, I don't have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I never drank. Well, I drank before I was 21. But since I turned 21, I've, I've never had a, any alcohol in my system. I don't drink anything carbonated. I believe that keeping my health in, in, is my hardest struggle. Mm-hmm. Is because we know we're not supposed to have certain things. And... You know, I'll find myself indulging these things. I'll have some ice cream because I'm hungry and then I can't get anything, so I'll just get some ice cream and, you know, whatever sugars that will pump me up to go. I don't drink energy drinks, so I'll have an ice cream or something, and I know <laughs> I'm not supposed to have that. So I think that's my, my biggest struggle of, mm-hmm. of dealing with, you know, what I do. Do you, As you travel and you consult and, mm-hmm. and train and mentor mm-hmm. people in, in the beauty industry, is that a biggie? The whole physical side of, because what we do, not what I do because I don't do it, but Mm -hmm. what hairdressers and barbers and professionals do is very physically demanding. Mm -hmm. Is that the one area that you find is the one that they struggle with a lot? Definitely. Well, you know, a lot of barbers, a lot of barbers my age aren't even doing it anymore. They can't. Their body's just not, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes. Uh, we eat terrible. Oh, see, they just scared me. Again, I'm 56 years old yes. with a three-year-old three daughter. I, I mean, I, I've said it. I, I'll be 70 when she graduates from high school. Right. I've got to be the most fit, healthy, right. energetic 90-year-old on the planet. Right. When the time right. comes. Right. I, you know, I try to, uh, in my speeches, talk about our health side of it. Um, and the reason why is because nobody really knows my age, but I tell them all the time. I said, I'm 47. I said, I'm, I'm about 900 days shy of 50. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I talk in days, I talk in hours, and I talk in minutes because I want people to understand how powerful time is. And so you, when you look at, oh, it's three years. No, you got to look at it. Three, a year is 365. So you times that times three, and that's what you have. So you count. This is the countdown to when you said that you want to be successful. This is a countdown. Mm. So, you know, for me, I just think, you know, health is one of those things. There's an old saying that says that we spend all of our our time chasing our wealth. Once we become wealthy, we spend all our wealth chasing our health. See, that's wrong. Say that again because that was powerful. We spend all of our time chasing our wealth. Once we receive our wealth, we spend all our wealth chasing our health. Isn't that crazy? But understand something. There's people not here today who was worth billions right. that would trade it all in for their health. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we have to implement, and being in America is, is a rat race in itself. 
So therefore, it's always demanding, you know, time, 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 you know, complete, complete, complete. You know, so, you know, when we're doing these things, we don't really think about eating healthy. We don't think about drinking water. We get what's fast, it's, what's it's, quick. It's, it's the fix to then just get it over with it to over then move with. on to chasing the wealth. Most barbers and styles will eat standing up. Right. But guess what? You've been doing it 30 years, standing up. You and I were talking about uh, TED Talks, how much yes. we love TED Talks. There's Have you, have you seen the one? I can't remember the guy's name. It's called The Power of Slow. No. Oh, my gosh. you got to put it, YouTube it. Mm-hmm. The power of slow. The power of slow. And he's, because he's talking about how his lesson was he's reading a story mm-hmm. to his little kid going to sleep. You know, and little kids at four or five years old, they have the book memorized anyway. So sure. he, and, But he's in a hurry, so he's skipping pages. Mm-hmm. And this little boy is like, Dad, calling him on it. No, Dad, mm-hmm. you forgot this part. You know, Dad, mm-hmm. there's seven dwarfs, not three. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's thinking, what has my life become that I want to skim through and mm-hmm. get this over with this what should be the most valuable productive amazing magical mm-hmm. time of my day I, sure. i'm trying to rush through it right and now we have speed yoga you know we have speed dating we have speed everything and then we have liposuction exactly. and then we have the the band and so you don't want to work out it's hard to to get up in the morning and go work out you know it's hard to get up in the, or in the evening, go work out after you had a long day. These are things that you have to do. But guess what? If you're not there, who's going to do it? You mind if I move on to some sure. of these other things? Sure. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one, but talk about charging the right price, getting what you're worth. What's your message to our audience on that? I want them to, to hear me very clear on this. In 1960, when... Gallon of gas was only ten cent. Nineteen sixty, a hair uh, um, jeans, a pair of jeans was five dollars. Now they're fifty dollars. In nineteen sixty, a, a college education from like Harvard or Yale was only twelve hundred and fifty dollars. You already know what the numbers are now. Mm-hmm. Gas prices, you know, they're five dollars. Milk back then was forty cents. Milk today is five dollars, four ninety nine. You know. You look at those prices, but then you go back and you look at the prices for barbers and beauticians. A barber haircut back in 1960 was $8. In 1960. In 1970, haircuts was 8 to $10. In 1990, haircuts was $10 to $15. In 2000, haircuts are $7 to $25. In 2015, haircuts are now $5 to $25 average. Hmm. Now, with a piece of property, for example, 12500 in 1960. You can't find a property now for $150,000 in California. Hmm. So the numbers go up so high, inflation has grown, but barbers and hairstylists are afraid, that fear again, false evidence appearing real, to charge what they're worth. They paid all of this money to go to school. That was an educational experience, and now they're paying that back, but they're not charging the prices that they're worth. They're going to, to the Long Beach Hairdressers Guild and the IBS, and they go to Paul Mitchell classes and these extra classes, and they pay for these things, but they're not bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Sanic Strips, Andy's Clippers, all of these companies have went up in their prices, but yet and still barbers have not gone up on their prices. Stylists have not went up on their prices. The price is such a thing to the point where they are afraid to ask what they're worth. But you look at an iPhone, people are willing to spend all day and all night to get the new iPhone. 
Jordans, people spend $250 to get a pair of Jordans. But as soon as you decide that you want to raise your prices $5 or $2, oh, well, uh, see, I can't, I can't do that. But they don't have no problem saying, I just bought my son a new iPad, right. you know, for his new school that he's going to. So they're not understanding the worth. So the prices have to go. I tell barbers and stylists now, you have to train your customers on what you're worth so you can raise your prices and get what you're worth. Because you can't truly live a, a good life and constantly have that chair spinning all day long off of 20 bucks. You just can't do it. How do you train your customers what you're worth? Show them what it is. Gas prices went up. Did you go to the gas to, to the pump or to the cashier and say, look, let me give you $3 for a gallon of gas. It costs 4 right. There's no negotiating. This is what it is. Right. Your cell phone bill with AT&T, we're not negotiating this. If you want unlimited, this is the fee. Right. <laughs> this is great. This is what it is. Good for this you. This is not a game. Yeah. See, we as stylists and barbers have to get into the business world. We have to understand that we're businessmen and business women. And once we understand that we're businessmen and business women, then we have to set prices accordingly and stand by those prices and not be in fear that my customer, everywhere I've traveled with, every single person has asked me, what if they leave? But if the people, this is what I do. I don't suggest everybody do it. I do it because I'm... I'm okay financially, so I'll give you fifty dollars. I don't, might not have a fifty dollar bill, but if I do, I'm gonna give you that. But I'll give you fifty dollars to the customer who said he can't afford it, and I'm gonna tell you go down and get the full Monty. But once you find out that that haircut is not like the haircuts that I do, and you come back, it's gonna cost you more. Hmm. Period. Point blank. <laughs> because I'm consistent. That's the reason why you come back to me. Right. I'm gonna do exactly what you asked me to do, but guess what? I'm gonna do it better what you envision of me doing. Yeah. And so that's what I'm worth. I've I've educated myself. I sat in front of Barnes and Noble until they said, Sir, it's time for you to go. <laughs> okay, well let me don't worry about the mess you made, we'll clean that up. I spent the time, I spent the energy, I spent the effort. So why not get what you're worth? Why not make sure that your family is taken care of financially? You can't do that if you're scared to ask for the, the price increase. Clara has went up. Everybody's went up but you. And why? Why? But then when you have a mortgage payment, they have no problem saying this is what the mortgage payment. Once you sign on the dotted line, this is what you have agreed to pay. That's called a contract. Fair exchange is no robbery. So you're given a fair exchange for great work. You graduated from a great school. Why are you afraid to pay, uh, ask these people, oh, excuse me, why are you afraid to ask these people to pay? Wow. And great, so great message. That's, that's what I, I'm It's too bad you're not passionate about that, aren't you? You know, I should be. <laughs> One day um, I'm going to get passionate about it. Right now this. I wish I had that, that little segment on video <laughs> so people could <laughs> see. One day I'm going to get passionate your... about that. You know? oh, good for but you. Yeah, but that's, that's what it is, and it hurts me. It really hurts me to see. And I take, I've taken pictures and right here in L.A. where you have the building painted, and it's $5 haircuts. So let's try it real quick. $5 haircut, you're charging. Okay, so if you're working for somebody, that means he's going to get at least $2 out of that. Right. So that means you did a haircut for three bucks. Now, with three bucks, that means you have to do 10 heads to get $30. How much did it cost you to get to the shop? And then you uh, ate. Right. And then you have to go home. You're in a deficit. The average barber today, the mm. average barber today, if you take their mate out of the picture, they're living poverty stricken lives. Mm. They have to have another income to create the lives that they're living. Wow. Because it's not enough 
when you're charging 10 and $15 haircuts. And by the way, they don't want a second income. They don't want another job to supplement what they're passionate about. All they have People to- chose this industry because they love it. Absolutely. Not because, well, I got to get a job. They, they love it. They love doing hair. They love being with people. They love customer service. They love these things, but they have to supplement what they love by doing something else that they don't necessarily love to do just because they need the money. Because you're afraid to charge wow. what you're worth. Great lesson. Let's talk about, because you wrote down social character mm-hmm. slash social media. What do you mean social by that? Social character, social media. People, if you're listening, I want you to turn this up and turn this up, and I need you to turn it up now. We'll wait. Okay. Great. Now that you turned it up, I want you to understand something. Your social character is a part of who you are today. When I was growing up, when and when you were growing up back in the day, you had what we called a Polaroid camera. That camera, you take the picture, you wait on it. I know you guys can't see this, but you're going to wait on it. And then you wait, and then the picture mysteriously appears. Right. And they were pretty pricey for the film. Now, today, whatever you post goes viral immediately. That's not a word. Don't look that up. Immediately. That means immediately. For those who are English correct, immediately. And therefore, you have to know what you're posting. You have to know what you want to say. I always say, if for some people that are spiritual, you say, well, if I post this picture, what would God say? If you're into mom and dad and you say, if I post this picture, what will my mom and dad say? Mm-hmm. Either way it goes. Because I'm seeing things now when I have one young lady who she posts. I go on everybody's Instagram when they ask me if they, they say, could you mentor me? And then I look and all I see is nudity. Not one haircut, one hairstyle. So I'm like, are you a stripper or a prostitute? And she goes, well, why would you say such a thing? I said, well, look at your Instagram. You got wearing garters, you, 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 you got your, your thing, your stuff out, and you got hundreds of thousands of followers, but you are a hairstylist, so where's the hair? Or the, a bunch of party pictures. Of yeah, you turned you're, up, you're, you're drinking, but you don't know who's right. watching. Right. You never know who's watching in this case. If you want to be hired by a major company, you know, some of the big names out there, Clairol and Paul Mitchell and Andes, and, but they're watching too. Do you know if I was a person of, of a bad social character and, and smoking weed and drinking and, and passed out in, in clubs, do you know that me and you wouldn't even be sitting right here right now? There's no way. Because you cannot be connected because you're guilty by association. Mm-hmm. I don't take pictures with people that have alcohol. and I just don't do it. I'm sorry, but I don't do that because I don't want to be affiliated with that. I'm not saying anything's wrong with drinking. I'm not saying anything's wrong with smoking. I don't do it, so I'm not going to be in a picture with that because that's not a part of who I am. So socially, we have to know that from today, from the day that you walk in that school, the day that you you have to always think every single day, 100% of your day, somebody's watching. So you want to be on point. You want to look good all day, every day, because somebody is watching. There's an old saying that says this, when you think life has robbed you, it's always an inside job. So never, ever make the mistake to believe that whatever you post does not go into forever, ever, when, hear me out, forever, ever land. So Always there. You, you know, you have a daughter now. If you're not posting correctly, she will find it later. So if you really want to work for the big companies, if when you graduate from out of your barber school and you graduate from out of beauty school and you want to see something about yourself, look at your Instagram and say, this is who I am. And if you are happy with that, then you did a good job. 
And if you're not happy with that, then guess what? You're going to have to change your social media. And start posting pictures that mean something. Post pictures of your haircuts. Post pictures of your colors. And stop getting these old raggedy cameras and everything's blurry. We have to try to figure out what you've done. Invest in a nice camera. This, this is all is part, part of your brand. This is a part of your brand. Social yeah. media and your social character. So, And then as you're growing in this business, if you post good things, because later on, Yelp is going to come knocking. Right. And when Yelp comes, you're going to either... It's, Yelp is good and bad. Believe that. Right. Because people are going to say good things about you, and there's people going to say bad things about you. But if customer service is A100... And 80% of your business is customer service, then guess what? Your Yelp is stars are going to be five stars, just like a five-star hotel that we're in today. And then people are going to say good things about you. Mm-hmm. I was in San Francisco, and I went into a shop, and everybody was smoking weed. The barbers were smoking weed, and the customers had beers in their hand. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they're still taking pictures. So is this... What I want to see, because you got to remember, parents go on to see if this is a safe shop for my son or daughter to go get their hair done. And the biggest problem we have with that now, when is a lot of barbershops now are not child friendly, hmm. socially, and if you go in there, it's not child friendly. Hmm. So our social media is a big part of who we are and what we stand for and who we associate with. You go on my social media, you'll mess around and see me hugged up with Oprah Winfrey. Yes, sir. Now you're going to see me hugged up with Wynn. You feel me? Yeah. So this is what it's about. And it's not about who you can take a picture with. That's not who you are. It's about what you stand for. Are you going to be legendary in this business? Or are you just going to be the average? Average people have jobs. Job stands for just over broke. And that is not who I am. I've had people tell me that because they got that kind of a challenge where they need to clean up their social media mm-hmm. sites that they basically close down their Facebook page or mm-hmm. close down their Twitter page just to take a, a month off start a new profile mm-hmm. with the promise that it would, it would only be positive. Mm-hmm. It would only be a good message that they mm-hmm. send out. If you're in a hair business, you don't need to have your family on your hair page. What does your family got to do with their... Mm-hmm. Is your daughter going to help you do that hair? No. So why is she on there? Get you a family page for that. Yeah. This is business. Mm-hmm. You, don't see, you don't see when Steve Jobs is alive or, or when Bill Gates is around. You, if, if they have social media page, you don't, wouldn't see them out there like that. Mm-hmm. It's about their business. It's about their brand. Great. So for me, it's about respect your brand. What a great message. So you're a motivational speaker. You're out there, and, and I can absolutely see why, not just from what mm-hmm. our conversation today, but I watched your videos and visited your website and stuff. And now you're out there in front of non-hairdressers, non-barbers. Sure. And they're seeking you out, too. What's, mm-hmm. what's your message to that audience, people who have nothing to do with the beauty industry? My message to the audience is actually now is finding is my job is to help you claim and find your it. What is your it? Look at this. I wrote that down. Really? <laughs> that was one of my questions to ask you. What, yeah. what do you what mean is, by it? Y- your it. Well, Nike said just do it. But what is your it? If you just was to do just that, what is your it? My job is to help you get that. Find it and claim it and go get it. How do you help people do that? Well, I talk to them. I consult with them. I find out. But then if, if I'm talking into a mass audience, I get inside of the heart. See, I attack the heart instead of the wallet. See, a lot of speakers... Wait, attack, say that again. I attack the heart instead of the wallet. Okay. See, a lot of speakers attack the wallet. Sell, sell, sell. 
See, and that's one of the biggest problems with a lot of part of my team. They like, well, you got to sell, sell. No, 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 no. Let me attack that heart. That'll come later. Right. And when you attack the heart, you get people to find out what they truly want. Is because all you have to do is be still and be quiet. Listen to what's saying inside of you, and you'll find out what your purpose is. Do you find that that's a, a mistake that a lot of business owners and leaders make, is that they mm-hmm. assume what's important to them is also important mm-hmm. to their staff? Yes, yes. See, the thing is, is that, you know, I think we're searching for the wrong things, When mm-hmm. It's not what gets you what you get that makes you happy. It's what you become is what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. See, we're still trying to chase things. We're always chasing things. But if I'm standing before you and tell you that things are not going to make you happy because I'm a recipient of that, I'm telling you, live your life. Enjoy your life. Treat people like you want to be treated. Find out what you really are here on this earth to do, and you'll find all of the happiness you ever needed and you ever wanted, and money can't buy that. Because if somebody was to sit here and give you a bag of money, you still wouldn't be happy. You would be happy in the moment, mm-hmm. but then when the lights cut off and the, and the party and the DJ's gone, and now people's gimme, 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 mm-hmm. and now people's forcing you to do things that you choose not to do because you're just trying to chase that feeling again. I'm always confused when people say mm-hmm. that they're trying to f- find themselves, mm-hmm. and the lesson is you don't find yourself, you create yourself. Right, right. Trying to find yourself. Where are you looking? I don't, I don't understand. Looking under the table? Right. Where, how do you find yourself? Right. There's a story about this guy, and um, he was captured behind enemy lines. And the guy, the captain comes up and says to him, he said, hey, now um, I just want you to know tomorrow you will be facing a firing squad because you were captured. You have a choice, though. He said, what's my choice? He said, well, one choice is you're going to face the firing squad, like I told you. The other choice is to go through that door right there. He said, what's on the other side of that door? He said, unknown horrors. So the guy said, I'll take the firing squad. The following morning, the captain did exactly what he said he was going to do, and the guy chose the firing squad. So one of the captain's secretaries said, hey, what's on the other side of that door? He said, freedom. Hmm. See, we have to free ourselves from a lot of stuffed baggage that we carry. I say, I tell people this all the time, When I said, your backpack needs to be light and fit to travel. See, we carry a lot of bad issues and things that happen to us. See, a lot of barbers and hairstylists, I speak on them because that's our field, but I'm speaking to everybody at this particular point, is a lot of times we take account. See, we, we know how to count, but we don't know how to add. I asked the average barber, if you'd like to make 50000 how much would you need to make per day for five days and you have two days off? They were giving me $7,000, $250, $675, you know, $1,100. And I'm like, look, look, look. And I've went to 11 states. I only got the answer right three times in 11 states. It's $200 a day for five days. If you want 100000 times and times two is $400 a day. See, they, they know how to make money, but they don't know how to add. See, when we were in school, the teacher really didn't want the answer. She wanted to know how you got there. And so that's what we have to understand what we're trying to do now. We have so much baggage that's holding us down that we can't truly grow and become the person we really want to become 
is because we have so much baggage. When you get ready for life, when you get ready to be a hairstylist, when you get ready to be a great barber, you got to get rid of the old luggage. You got to get rid of the old baggage. And guess what? When now they charge for that. Every bag is, you only get 50 pounds. Right. Anything over that, it's going to cost you. Get rid of the baggage. Get rid of the baggage. Yeah. Everything that I go, no matter how long I'm going, when I figured out a way to roll up my suits, I roll up my suits like a joint, and I don't even smoke. <laughs> but everything is a carry-on because my backpack needs to be light and fit to travel. And it's important to me that I am that way because I'm on the move all the time. I could sit here and just... Listen to you. I just have to throw out one question, and then I can just sit and listen for an hour or more. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. Thank you. You hear that? You hear that, world? <laughs> <laughs> That's Wayne Claywall talking there. You know what I mean? I'm working. They say I'm passionate, but I'm, I'm trying to get to my passion. I but can't yes. believe we have to wrap this up. Yes. Do we? Yep. Already? Yeah. Yes. Can you believe it's been that? an hour and a half. No. Yes. Wow. Do you have That's a final crazy. message? Do I have a final message? Oh, my gosh. I have so many final messages. You know, Les Brown said, you know, if you want to keep on getting what you're getting, keep on doing what you're doing. If you really want to change, then you have to make the change. If you really, really want to be successful, then you have to understand what success is. If you want a better life for yourself, then you have to know what a better life is. I think we spend so much time wanting something that we've never done before or never tried to even see what it's like. Case in point, you, you want to drive. I always wanted a Porsche, but I'm a Porsche owner, and they're very claustrophobic, small. They're sports cars. If you like space, a Porsche is not for you. They look good, but it's not for you. If you got bad knees, a Porsche is not for you. If you got bad knees, a Corvette is not for you. You have to test drive what you want. If you want a nice house, then go to a nice house and pick the size. Figure out what side of the house you want to wake up on, sunset or, or the sun setting. You know, all of these things have to be a part of what you want. I wrote a book called Pocket Game. And Pocket Gang, which I'm giving you a copy. I signed it for you as well. Got it right here. It'll fit in my pocket. And that's exactly what it's for. And who would ever thought when that book, and one of the, I don't choose not to mention his name, but he's a big-time speaker in the industry, and he said, hey, this book is not going to sell. And I said, why? He said, because people just don't read. These barbers and stylists don't read. I said, well, I'm going to try it anyway. And we debuted it in, in Las Vegas on October the 6th. And once we debuted it, within six days, we've made every dime back, and we started getting calls. That book is now the number one selling book in the industry as of right now. Pocket Game is based on saving money. 60 to 80% of all hairstylists and barbers retire broke. You see what happened to me, and I was only two years in. Uh, they retire broke. The system is based off of this. You take your first haircut of the day. Stylus is going to be more, but I went off on $20 schedule, which I was doing. Take $20 and put it in your back pocket. The first haircut of the day, $20. That means at least if you're charging $5, could you at least get to $20, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> Sidebar. And then you times that times five days when you got 100 bucks. That's why it's called Pocket Game, the art of saving without saving. You times that times four, that's $400 that you done saved. And 
you didn't do anything. You can still spend all the rest of your money, but at least you save 400. You times that times 12, you just shy of 5,000. You times that times 10, and now you're talking about $50,000 in 10 years off 20 bucks. Right. It's amazing, you know. Um, How do people get this book? I, I, they, your can website. To, they can go to dlmasterbarber.com. dlmasterbarber.com. All one word, dot com. And I just think that all barbers need to do that. I also would like to say to all barbers and hairstylists, please get some insurance. If you invest in cars, I don't understand when. Have you ever thought about this? When you, when you in the state of California, in a lot of states, they, by law, you have to have car insurance. But it's amazing how you have to have car insurance. But not health insurance. But not health insurance. Yeah. But you can get your car fixed, but you can't get fixed. Yeah. yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I want barbers to be able to be in a position to save money so they can have a future. Yeah. I want them to have good credit. Because having good credit means you're a good steward. That means you pay your bills on time. You're trustworthy. Recording. You're trustworthy. And having health insurance, meaning get yourself checked out. You know what I mean? I just had a full physical, and, you know, and, and a lot of men, especially a lot of men, you know, will lose their life behind prostate cancer because they don't want to get checked out. Mm-hmm. Get yourself checked out. Go get a physical every single year. Most barbers, they haven't seen a doctor since they was in high school mm-hmm. because they were forced to unless something goes wrong. So I just say that, you know, we need to start putting our affairs in order. You know what I mean? Because one day we will be called, you know, but did we do the right thing? Were we legendary? Did we leave something for this industry? And that's what I want to do, When I would like to leave something for this industry that they can say, hey, man, this guy helped me. He changed my life. He yeah, you're already doing it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. these, these messages and the love and passion that you have for people, not just in the beauty industry, mm-hmm. um, but everybody. Yeah. This, yeah. Is a, this is quite a gift. Yeah. And then they, they say this. They say, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Right. So don't spend the money on an education that when you look back and you say, was this really an education? Spend money on a real education, something that you can learn from and you can utilize. Because if you go to rent-to-own centers, that's going to be more of an education for you, and that's called ignorance. Mm -hmm. So if you do it right the first time, you don't have to do it again. Hmm. This has been amazing. Yes, it has. Somehow I knew it would be. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I called. Yeah. And you didn't know who I was, but you took my call and you said yes, and I appreciate that. Oh, man, this is amazing. And I just, I want you guys out there that's listening in 10 plus countries, continue to follow Wynn. You know, he is delivering messages for people who have mastered their art, their craft, and whatever it is that they do. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we spread the word. It's important that you have people that are paving a way for us to get the information. Because we can't say anymore that the information is not there. When in doubt, Google it out. And so, (laughs) you know, when I was in doubt, I just Googled it. And I found all the information that I needed. And so I, I would strongly suggest people get mentors. I would strongly suggest you don't continue to always go to the the University of YouTube because that's not always correct. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you get a mentor and a person who's already been where you're going, it it makes you uh, get there a lot faster and a lot of costly mistakes you can avoid. Mm -hmm. So mentorship is very important. And and for me, I'm honored to be in the presence of, of a wonderful mentor. 
Thanks, Dio. And so I just tell the world out there, you guys, man, keep your, your hopes up, your head up, and success is on its way. But guess what? Success is inside of you. It's not outside the door what you're searching for. Beautiful. I can add nothing to that. Thanks, Dio. You got it. Brilliant. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Right now.